Good morning. God 
does not forgive those who are worthy. In fact, those who are worthy cannot make heaven. It's only sinners that can make heaven who have received forgiveness. If by yourself you are worthy, Jesus will not die for you. Because you'll be too good. What will you you forgive? You're already good. There is nothing to forgive. That's why he said, I've not come for those who are well. He's come for those who are sick. So how do you then say that you are not worthy? You were never worthy. In fact, rejoice because you are not worthy. Rejoice and say, yes, I'm not worthy, but I'm going to be blessed. I'm not worthy, but I'm going to be blessed. Colossians 1, 12 says, giving thanks unto the Father who had made us worthy to be partakers of the inheritance that belong to saints in light. Here is where I'm going to start the story today. It's in John chapter 8. Verses 3. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, as though they respect him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. In the very act. Are we there? Yeah. That's verse 4. In the very act, okay. <coughs> How is it possible to catch a woman in adultery in the very act, and it is only the woman that is present? How do you catch a person alone committing adultery? Where was the man? Where was the man? Because they said in the very act. So it was not a reported story. It was happening and recorded. Why didn't they catch the man? You see, we live in a world that is a respecter of person. And such was that world. And I don't know who is accusing you, who is speaking against you, who is saying you are not worthy, who is saying to you, that you are not good enough. I don't know the voices that you may have heard and said to you that when it comes to God, you can't be blessed. You need to know today that those voices are false and they are rejected by God. He says no weapon fashioned against you will prosper. This is because if God be for you, it's a question, who can be against you? Who can stand against you if God is on your side? Hallelujah. And they brought this woman to Jesus. And they said, Now Moses in the law, verse 5, commanded us that such should be stoned. But God says that. They speak or they spoke to him as though. He wasn't the one that sent Moses. This is the person who gave Moses the instruction. By him all things were made, without him was not anything made that was made. 
He created Moses. He sent Moses ahead. But here they didn't understand. What seems that? This they say, tempting in the Bible says. I'll move to verse 7. So when they continue asking, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. I'm talking about forgiveness of sin. Here is the Savior of the world, the judge of all men, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of tongue, the perfect God in human form. The Holy One that cannot behold iniquity, but they brought before him a woman caught in adultery. And he said to them, Jesus said something so beautiful. He says, all of you can stone this woman. All of you. All I need, one saint, cast the first stone. After that, it doesn't matter whether you're a sinner, cast the next. You're so many. Present one righteous person. I agree that this woman is guilty. But for her to be condemned, it has to be done by a trust person. A sinner cannot condemn another sinner. And here were people who have found a woman called a sinner. Jesus said, all right, let the saint, the first saint, cast the first stone. And the Bible said, and again he stooped down and he wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience of what? Of sin. And that in turn is what we still see today. Sinners condemn sinners. Relativity in the line of sin. People think of it. Your sin is greater than mine. I stole a pound. You stole 20,000 pounds. You are wicked. Before God, all sin are the same. And what does the Bible say that these people did? They were convicted because they themselves had sin. How is it that people who had sin in their own lives still judge others? And the man tells us, and they went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself, he saw none but the woman. And he said to her, Woman, where are those dying accusers? Had no man condemned you? Let's get this right. Jesus referred to these people as accuser. What the accuser of is not false accusation. It's not false accusation. Sometimes we can be falsely accused. We can be falsely accused. But on this occasion, she wasn't falsely accused. But those who were accusing her were themselves guilty. The sin God will forgive you of is not the sin, sins you have not committed. They are sins you are guilty of. The woman is guilty. Based on the law, guilt, declared guilty. But here is the Savior. John 3, 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him 
might be saved. He that believes in the Son is not condemned. He that believes not is condemned already. What is the condemnation? That light has come into the world, for men have loved darkness. They left one after the other because they were killed. And Jesus said, where are those who are accused? Have no one condemned you? She said, no, Master, there's a level. Lord, they haven't condemned And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What's Jesus saying? Is Jesus also saying, I'm also not righteous. So I'm going to live like them. I will not condemn you. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is affirming that those people who left have no right to condemn her because they were guilty. However, I, the Savior of the world, the perfect one, the just one, the righteous one who has the right to judge you, I am not judging you. Those who didn't have the right could not judge. But the one who had the right also says, I am not condemning you. And this is a message for you. That God is not condemning you. God is not condemning you. The righteous one. There is a false presentation of God as though he's against you. How can a God who sacrificed his son be against you? How can a son think about you? For some of you who are children, God did not sacrifice his son for God. Assuming there were gods in his level. Will you give to people at your level? God did not sacrifice his son for God, assuming they were. He sacrificed his son for human. It's like Pastor Melvin calling you and saying there are cockroaches in Scotland disturbing us. We need to make you a cockroach to go and die for cockroaches. How many of you will offer to save cockroaches by turning to cockroaches? You can't imagine it, right? Jesus becoming the son of man. It's like you becoming an insect. He came down. Bible says he did not hold on to that right of being God. He did not count equality with God a thing to be held on to. But humbled himself. It takes humility. The Bible teaches us that. He condescended to men of low estate. He became poor because our nature is in poverty. God is riches. He became man that he may save you and I. Now how can a God who did such? How can I still doubt whether he loves me? How can I doubt whether he will forgive me? God wants you to know that though those around you might condemn you, he will never condemn you. The power of sin has been broken. But here is something that Jesus did affirm. Let me share a few scriptures, Psalm 51. They went out one after the other, and Jesus said to the woman, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Let me just speak to that before I go to Psalm 51. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. It's not an instruction, it's a release of God's power. You may have read it before. Jesus is not telling her, I'm forgiving you now. Make sure you behave. Don't sin again. If Jesus told her,
From the moment she leaves Jesus, she will continue to sin. Because the power of our sin does not, is not in your hand. It's in the hand of God. For you to live above sin, God must be on your side. Jesus is not sending her on an errand as though she has the ability to go out and sin no more. Jesus is declaring to her. Remember the word she said. She said, no man, Lord. She agrees that Jesus is Lord. And Jesus spoke the word of life to her. Go and sin no more means the power of sin is broken over you. Jesus released her into freedom. He didn't put another commandment on her that neither us nor our father were able to bear. Acts 15. Jesus released grace to her and said, Go and sin no more. And we know, yes, we know that this woman sinned no more because she was one of the women following Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. No, she went in the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And so when Jesus forgives you, he does not merely pardon your sin, he enables you to overcome sin. Remember, I said, I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus does not only tell us what not to do. That's what the Lord tells us. The Lord tells us, don't do this, don't do this. The Lord was given by Moses, John chapter 1, for grace to obey it and truth walking it by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. What is good to establish certain things? Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Verse 5. He said, Behold, this is David talking. I need to read this place because if you cannot receive a forgiveness or receive forgiveness from God, except you actually agree that all men are guilty. David says in this place, by nature, by nature that we are guilty. There are two ways in which we became sinners. First, by nature. Second, by nurture. <coughs> Everyone born into this world is born into sin. And you already did. Secondly, you are going to work it out. You see that young child, that baby that you see, that lovely looking child, will grow up, except by the grace of God, will only work in sin. It is the grace of God that takes us away from the path of sin into righteousness. So by nature, he says, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. This is because when Adam fell, we became sinners by nature. When the altar is polluted, every sacrifice of needs is polluted. Our body was polluted. This is why Ezekiel 36, God writes it, I think, from verse 35. At 25, saying that he will give us a new spirit, a new heart, and that we will follow him. Because without God washing us, we can't walk righteous. So the first thing David says here is that we were shaping in iniquity and we were conceived in sin. We must agree with this truth. Isaiah 64. 
These are important for us because if I do not see myself lost, I cannot ask for a savior. And this exactly is the purpose of the Lord. The Lord was given that sin might be revealed, that we might know that we are sinners. When God said, Don't lie, and you lie. Hmm. God says, Don't see, you stole. God said, Don't lost, you lost. You lost. And all of that, it shows man that man needs help. And when the Savior comes, you can ask for help. So the Bible says the Lord was our schoolmaster, Galatians chapter 3, to bring us unto Christ. Isaiah 64, verse 6. Take note of this. It says, But we are all as an unclean thing. The other part is very interesting. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Not our sins. Our righteousness is filthy. I've heard people say things like, as long as your conscience is clean, as long as you have a clean, perhaps if your conscience is dead. Your conscience is dead in sins. And therefore, all the righteousness are as filthy rags. Listen to me. Your righteousness are not like rags. Rags are even better. These ones are filthy. The filthy one. That is, so when you then present that righteousness before God, what are you presenting? Filth. You're presenting filth. Oh, and you're saying that as Christians, when we walk in righteousness, well, well, we're presenting filth. No, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that without God, everything you bring to God is polluted. It is a crash that will receive new righteousness. This self-righteousness is unacceptable to God. And this is what Romans chapter 3 tries to affirm when it says all have sin. Hallelujah. Look at what the, the psalmist says in Psalm 110, verse 3. Psalm 133 says, If you, Lord, shall mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? David understood this, that if God was to mark iniquity, he says, No man, none of us will be qualified. It is for this purpose that God had to design iniquity. In verse 4, he says, But there is forgiveness in thee that thou mayest be feared. So he did agree that he was conceived in iniquity. But in act also, he says, if you are to mark it, no one can stand. Now let's go to that Romans chapter 3. This is basically to tell us, first, that all are sinned. That woman actually, according to the law, Guilty. It doesn't matter whether she feels it. Uh, the, the word guilt or guilty is a declaration that comes after breaking the law of God. When a person, you, you can do something wrong and really feel bad for it. You're guilty. You can do something wrong and feel nothing. You're still guilty. 
Your feeling does not define your state. And it's the same thing that God may have forgiven you and you feel it. You feel forgiven and you are delighted. And for someone particularly, it is you I'm speaking to today. You have been forgiven, but you are still carrying the guilt. You don't feel forgiven. My word to you today, that forgiveness of sin is not subject to your feeling. Forgiveness of sin is a judicial declaration in the court of God's law. Where is someone has been sacrificed for you and there are evidence that you are among those for whom he died. And God has blotted out the sin written against your name. Whether you feel it or not, you are forgiven. Yes. But it is more important for you to feel it so that you can enjoy your life on it. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God has forgiven you is a reality. Yes. And you need to begin to hold on to it and to believe it. Yes. Because that's what scripture says about you. Yes. Here is what Romans, so that you will know, I'll, I'll read, I need to move fast. Romans chapter 3, I'll read from verse 9. I know you have from verse 10, it says, What then? Are we better than they? That is, are we Jew better than the Gentiles? No, we know why. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. Both Jews and Gentiles are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that, none, not one in the history of man. Not Noah. Not Enoch. Everyone that obtained righteousness obtained it by faith in God. No one can work for it. You are not going to be good enough. It says we are proven that if that is the case, not even your pastor can disqualify you. Not your parents. Not your leaders. I am saying this to you because you must hold the word of God as superior. Amen. Amen. I know Pastor Baby will not disqualify you. I'm just saying. Yes, sir. That you must hold the word of God above any man. Yes. And if what we have said is not in scripture, don't believe it. Mm -hmm. But if you find it in the word of God, believe it. Hold on to it because it's a treasure in your heart. Hallelujah. Amen. See? Do not look down on yourself. The Jews were special people of God at the time. God used them as an example of his love to the world. And how we can love. If you knew anything about the Jews, you know they are the most stubborn people. That's what the Bible reveals. So if God can love those category of people, who are you? God can love you. That's what it means. What's your case? God can love you. God choose the hardest people. The people that will see what the rest see and then cry over water. Ah, some of us are still wishing we are in the rest sea to pass it physically. How many people like to see God part water like that? I really want to go through it, but there are people who went through it and still did not believe. Miracles is not enough. Faith is all they need. That's why Peter says, Blessed are you who have not seen, 
but believe. Rejoicing with joy unspeakable. You didn't see Jesus. Those who saw him still doubted. But you did not see him, but you believe. Oh, Jesus said, Blessed are those who will not see, but they will believe. Hallelujah. Amen. You are blessing me. Say, say to your neighbor, you are blessed. Hallelujah. Why am I saying to you that none is righteous? It's so that you can always, you cannot find that negative thought that will always tell you you are not good enough. Because all of us were not good enough. So you are not alone. There is none that, is, that understands there is a level. There is none that seeks after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And it went on and on and on. Verse 19. Now we know that whatsoever things the law says, it says to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. If God has not given us the law, we may have thought we were good. In fact, we may have thought we would do better. Many people have wondered, why did, why did Adam disobey? If I was the one in this case, I would just follow the instruction. Okay, now God has given you your own. What have you done? You have not done any better than Adam. You have broken the same law. Even after you have his own example. Adam may have any example. Did you get the point? Yeah. It's, see, he said so that the whole world might become guilty. The law was given. Try it. And we've seen that we're guilty. Therefore, we're able to come to Christ. For example, verse 20 says, Therefore, take note of this. I've seen Christians walk with God and they fall. And they walk and they fall. And they say, I don't think God can help me. I don't think God can love me. Wait, in Matthew 18.22, Jesus taught Peter that when your brother offends you, you forgive him 70 times, 7 times. How many times do you think God will forgive you again? If God tells us to forgive one another 70 times, 7, so do you think God can do 70 times, 7 himself? Or he can do greater? I think he will do greater. And I don't think God will tell us to do something he cannot do. He tells us to forgive and keep forgiving and keep forgiving. But he is unwilling to forgive. No, I think God telling us to keep forgiving is because that's exactly what he is doing to us. Ah, someone says, ah, but that would be too much. Because if he forgives us that way, are we not going to No. Hallelujah. Forgiveness is a revelation of love. And those who are Bonafide children will not take the grace of God for lasciviousness. Love reconciled. There was a story the Bible tells us of Jesus told us, please bear with me. I don't know if you are aware tomorrow. So let me say it again. Jesus told us of a man who had two sons. And one says, Give me my inheritance. And he went, he squandered it. And he realized his father, the goodness of his father, the kindness of his father, that even those who are not sons enjoy. He says, I will go back home and I will beg. And the Bible says, when his father saw him from afar off, he ran after him, fell on him, 
joy. That's all what God does for us. God does not wait for you to return. The reason the Father saw him from afar and went after him is because the Father does not know all things. The Father never knew where he went. God lives in 99. He goes to search for him. Jesus gave us that example to show love. But he did say that's the limit of God's love. God, God goes after every city to look for you. Every place, where are you? Jesus said it. He said, I knock at the door of your heart. How can you knock at the door of your heart if it's not with you? Hallelujah. Amen. How far away can you go from him? Yeah. Yeah. Say, even if I go into the deep, you are dead. Yeah. You are dead. His love is dead. There is no mountain you will not climb up coming after you. This is a revelation of God's love and the power of his forgiveness. And he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. No one, no one can change your verdict. You are forgiven. Hallelujah. You are forgiven. This is the power of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm encouraging you not to trade the treasure in your hand for fear. The society may want to sow fear into you and tell you you, you are not qualified. The Bible tells you at the end story. I'm going to close. Let me close this way. Let's just go into Romans 8. I'll close. Uh, the Lord is able to help us with our understanding. Oh, so many things with me. Let's just say Romans 8. I'll close this meeting. I'll go to Romans 8. 32. Yes, we were guilty. What God did was to sacrifice his son. We were guilty, but he sacrificed his son. He gave his son. You see, his son was in the garden called Gethsemane, in the white press, the place where the olive is grounded to bring out the oil. And the son had gone there to grind in prayer to bring out the oil. And he had told his disciples, pray with me. And he left. He came back. They were sleeping. He said, pray with me. He left. He came back. He said to them, pray with me. He came back. The last time he said, oh, what? continue to sleep. The hour is come. But one of the things that the Bible says Jesus talked about, he said, Father, if it be your will, let this call pass over me. It wasn't that he didn't want to die for us. He wasn't talking about, I don't like this, but something had to happen. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 21. God made him who knew no sin to become the offering for sin at the point that the father was cut off from the son. It, it was going to happen. Jesus knew the father will cut off from him. That's what he's praying about. Father, let this cup pass over me. Let me not be in a state where you will abandon me. You will leave me. It has never happened. I'm going to be in a state you will leave me and the entire sin of the world will be poured upon me. I can bear the sin, but I cannot bear the separation from you. But if you be your will, let your will be done, oh Father. Bible says he sweats was as thick as blood. 
And on the cross, the Father abandoned him. He says, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? And he cried for a space of hour. And the wrath of the world was poured on him. Listen, it was not the nail that held him there. Because each of the nails that went through him, his hand, they took permission. They took permission for me. Lord, can I go through your hand? Even the tree took permission. Because none of them could sustain it. The wood cannot hold it. The nail cannot pierce through, except the Lord permitted it. He gave permission. He said, I gave my life willingly. And I'm going to take it up. John chapter, chapter 10. I'm going to take it up by myself. I surrendered it. I'm going to take it up. And Bible then tells us in Romans 8, 32. I'll read from verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his son, even though he cried. He that spared not his son. He saw his son. He saw the way. He saw the cry on his face. But he took his eye away because the sin of the man of, of humanity must be purged. Listen, your sin has been purged. If you are going to hell, go to hell deliberately. Say, Lord, I know you died for me, but I want to go to hell. But don't go to hell by this thing. Because the price for your eternity has been prayed. Come and collect it. Come and receive it. It's yours. It's there. Jesus did not die for Christian, he died for the world. That's why we go out, we say Jesus died for you. We don't tell people Jesus is about to die for you. We say Jesus did it already. He paid. He that did not spare his own, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Let's listen to it. Who shall lay any sin to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is going to come before God and say he is guilty? And don't you understand? It's God that declared us just. It means the case is dismissed. Yeah. The one that should accuse us is the one that said you are free. Yeah. You know when you park, when you when you drive on the road and the police say go, don't care, say go. You understand that? Yeah. The one that should arrest you is the one who declared you just. So who is going to bring any charge? He's telling you none. Who is he that condemned? Verse 34. Christ that should condemn the woman. It is Christ that died for the same woman. Hallelujah. Amen. It is Christ who died. Yes, that is the reason again. Who is at the right hand of God. Who also made intercession for us. He doesn't condemn us. He's praying for us. Hallelujah. He's praying for you. He's praying for you. Don't let anyone lie to you that God is angry, that God is upset. He's not. He's not upset. Hallelujah. When you were not his own, he said his son. Now that you are his own, what do you think he would do? He's on your side. Amen. He is on your side. Let's, let's, let's get down and then just thank God for this meeting. Verse 35. Who shall separate us? These are questions you can ask yourself. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Hmm. Shall tribulation, 
distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. In essence, we are ready to give our life. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Hallelujah. We are more than conquerors. We are not conquerors. We are more. Hallelujah. Yes. We are more. This is what the scripture says about you. Whose report will you believe? Hallelujah. I'll believe the report of the Lord. Even when my mind, my heart is saying otherwise, I tell my heart, go and sleep. I know the truth. When my feelings go against the truth, I tell my feelings, I don't believe you. And it will become quiet. Yeah. You must speak to your feelings. Yes. You were not saved by feelings. You were saved by the sacrifice of Jesus. Amen. And your feelings must obey it. Hallelujah. Amen. Your feelings must agree. Paul concludes. Say, I am persuaded. Say to yourself, I am persuaded. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to so come, nor height, nor depth, nor all that creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I am persuaded. You need persuasion. You need to be convinced. Hallelujah. Don't let anybody lie to you any longer that God is upset. Tell the Lord, I know who God says I am. I know who God says I am. I know who I am. I'm a child of God. Ephesians says we are no longer strangers but fellow citizens with the saints. Oh my God. He says we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of it. This is who we are. We have been saved by the blood, the precious blood. Hallelujah. I love that song. We say, All the glory must be to the Lord. For He is worthy of our praise. No man on earth should give glory to Himself. All the glory must be. gave his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Amen. If you are in this meeting today on your mission and you are still back, today is your day. It's a day of destiny for you. Amen. God wants you to know he loves you. Amen. God wants you to know he has accepted you Amen. and that you have been loved. Oh, and if you are making decision for the Lord today, yes, you are making the right decision because the Lord loves you. He loves you. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 24, Say, surely, surely I say unto you, He that hears my word and believe on him that sent me has eternal life. He, he shall not come into condemnation. Because you are passed from death. Psalm 51 verse 5. 
from death. Isaiah 64, verse 6, to life. Hallelujah. Amen. Now you are in life. Amen. Now you are in the Son of God. Amen. Now you are in the Son of God. Stand to your feet. Let's just say thank you to Jesus together.